Anderson made a wild stab work fell. Here's another shot right by the door. Fifty years ago tonight, Foster Hewitt made that call back on September 28th, 1972. You still get chills hearing it, and I was about a year and a half, so I don't remember it at all, but I've watched that goal so many times. It felt like I was there. It felt like we were all there. It's perhaps the most famous Canadian sports moment in history. Uh, Paul Henderson scoring with just 34 seconds left in Game 8 of the 72 Summit Series to give Team Canada the win and the series, the image of of Henderson jumping into Yvonne Cornier's arms, perhaps one of the most defining images of Canadian sporting history. Now, the Soviets had come into Montreal nearly a month earlier, expected to put up a bit of a fight, but not much of one against a Team Canada packed with NHL superstars. Instead, it turned into a cold war on ice, East versus West, with Canada's reputation as the best of the best on the line. Now, I spoke with Paul Henderson earlier this month about that incredible series and that historic goal. And I started by asking him about uh, the shocking wake-up call for Team Canada that was Game 1 in Montreal, a 7-3 loss to a tough, disciplined, quick, and dynamic Soviet team. Well, it, it, Clark and Ellis remember me coming back to the bench, and I looked at them and said, just after I scored, we come off, <clears throat> I said, boys, this is going to be a very long series. We knew, even leading 2 nothing, I knew that we were in trouble. Uh, the, the, they broke every rule in the book. I played for Punch Imlek. You never went backwards. Never. He even hated a drop pass. They right. come up the ice. They didn't like what they looked at. They went back and regrouped. You know, what is this? And then poor Dryden, every time he thought they were going to shoot, uh, they passed. And every time he thought they were going to pass, they shot. And so, yeah, it was a rude awakening. And, and the physical conditioning was just... And the biggest mistake we made, or Harry made, our coach, Harry Sinden, he only dressed five defensemen. And after two periods, they were done like a dog's dinner. It was not good during the third period. I remember hearing that you talked to your wife after that first game and sort of said, wow, you know, it, it's great. It's a great honor to be part of this team, but not if, not if we lose. <laughs> well, after we lost the first game in Moscow, I said to her, if we don't win the last three games – we're going to be known as the biggest losers in the history of Canadian hockey. And I think all of us knew that. But the thing is, the, the good thing about it is, even though well, we played mostly shorthanded uh, that first game in Moscow, and actually I, I scored two goals in that game also, yeah. but we really felt that we had outplayed them. And we were now getting into shape. We'd gone to uh, Sweden and we played uh, two games there. And now, but we were getting down to these are the guys that are going to basically play, maybe change one or two people. And so I remember Harry Sinden said after the game, he came in and said, guys, we outplayed them. We should have won this game. But he said, all I want you to do is think about the next game. And and, and I think that was really, and then he walked out. He didn't go big. He said, we, we outplayed them. We should have won the game. And so that gave us a bit of uh, confidence there and, Thank goodness it uh, turned out pretty well. I've watched, obviously, a lot of the highlights of that Vancouver game, Espo at the end of the game. You know, the fans were upset. What was the mood like in the dressing room after that fourth game in Vancouver and heading ultimately to Sweden and back to Moscow? Well, it wasn't good. 
and uh, we took two bad penalties at the start of that game in Montreal, and they got two power play goals right off the bat and basically uh, took us out of the game. And and the fans were disappointed, and I was disappointed too, and so they started booing us, and it wasn't a good feeling, but Esposito, <laughs> we had four captains, but Esposito was our leader on and off the ice. And uh, I, although he did, we, none of us saw that interview that he did with Johnny Esau, Right. And after I saw it, yeah, he never saw it for years either. I, they should have showed it to us because the sweat was running off him. And Esau just let him go on. Yep. And that was a great interview. Esau just let him go on. We're disappointed and we're <laughs> despondent and we are trying, folks. And they got a good team. But I don't think, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah. but we come back to, uh, to Toronto and I mean, even our families didn't want to talk to us. It wasn't good. But it, 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 we went to Sweden. We played two games over there, got used to the bigger ice, and now we're starting to you know, get together as a team and we're used to the bigger ice service. But one of the, 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 one of the reasons we won that is the 3,000 Canadians that went over there. Yeah. We lost the first game in Moscow. And we stood on the blue line and had to listen to the national anthem. It's a wonderful piece of music, but it's too long when you lose. And we had to skate off the ice that walked past those Canadian fans. And they stood up and they gave us a cheer. They went crazy. And it was a miserable night in Moscow. We get back there about an hour later. And there were several hundred of them outside our hotel. We got off the bus and they went crazy again, just cheering at Canada. In fact, that most of them were hammered. It's got nothing to do with it. But this is what I'll say. Before the game six, seven, and eight, the Canadian national anthem has never been sung with such fervor and energy as it was. I'm standing on the blue line, and my there's hairs on my arm going up. And they got behind us like crazy. And I think it was that Esposito's talk said, listen, we need some help. And boy, did they ever come through. Yeah. What was it like landing in Moscow? I mean, obviously, at this point, the Soviets must have thought, hey, we might be able to win this and we might be able to win this on home ice. And of course, we know all the stories of what was going on behind the scenes, some of the shenanigans going on behind the scenes with the refing and so on. Well, the other thing I should tell you, too, that I, I got a concussion. That's right. Over there. That's right. And cut me down. I went into the bed. Thank goodness I was wearing a, a helmet. If I hadn't, I probably would have died. But anyway, I was knocked out, and Jim Murray, our doctor, they get me off the ice, and I had a pounding headache, of course, but he examined me, and he says, Paul, you got to take your equipment off. You've had a concussion. And so Harry Sinden came in, and he said, uh, told me what the doctor had said to him, and you better take it off. And I said to him, Harry, please don't do this. Let me play. I'll take care of myself, but let me play. And I'll never forget that. I remember looking at him, and Harry said, well, Paul, we sure as hell need you. And if you want to play, I am not going to stop you. And I said, well, give me some time. And so I laid there for another 15 minutes or so and went back out. And actually, I think the first ship back out, Clarky hit me with a pass. And I went on a breakaway and scored on uh, on Treciak to put us up 4-1. And if we'd have won that game, I would have had this winning goal also. But but the you know t today I'd have never been left back you know let back out on the ice and that's why I say I had six cousins of the concussions that I know of 
But that's why I'm not very sharp today, because I have an excuse. And now sound, I got cancer. So I got cancer, I got concussions, I got an excuse for everything. You sound pretty sharp, Paul, for, for a man who's at who's seventy is it seventy-nine? No, that's uh you sound you sound great. Mm. I, the memory the memories of those days too, they're so vivid. Um what was it like just being in Moscow? Was it was it hostile? Did you feel the weight that that the Soviet team now must be under, because obviously expectations would have been up by the time they got back because they were ahead. Well, for sure, but I think we we took them for granted. But after they won the first game, I think that they started. You know, they couldn't lose now. I mean, they're they're going to win one of the last three games, and that's the worst thing you can do is underestimate your opponent. But I, that was one of the things. But the thing that 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 I think most of us were just amazed is the quality of life of the average person was just awful. Hmm. We came in from the airport when we landed. It was at night and never saw one house. It was all uh, condominium, you know, apartment buildings. And there would be a light hanging down with no, just the lamp, just the light bulb, no shade or anything. And uh, it it was bleak. If you were a communist, the part of the system was okay, but the average person was just, and it, it, we hated them, but we, we should never have hated, hated them. We should have hated their system because they were just like us, like Trechak, a great guy. And yet they were trying to keep a wife happy, raise children just like we were. And they were in a very tough situation. But the thing about it, if you were a really good athlete, they took pretty good care of you compared to a lot of other places. But And I come back and I said, if I owned a company, I would take my people over there for three or four days and they would never complain about Canada again. And so then all of us then we come back. I have always believed we lived in the best country in the world and that uh that trip sure solidified it. Yeah, that was an eye-opener for everyone. I'm speaking with Paul Henderson on the 50th anniversary of the Summit Series, of course. Paul responsible for not just the game-winning goal in Game 8, the famous one, a beautiful one in Game 7 as well. When we come back, we'll talk about those particularly iconic last two games and obviously the goal. Stay with us. Paul Henderson is my guest. Uh, we're talking about the 50th anniversary of the Summit Series, which is now, by the way, 50 years. As Paul was saying earlier, every year goes by just a little quicker. Uh, we're talking about just the fact what by the fact Time Team Canada went back to Moscow. They were down. Uh, it looked like this series could be lost. The implications of that were unimaginable if you were on that team. But that Paul was also explaining that by then, the team had really started to gel more, that they had at first underestimated the the Soviets a bit, but they weren't underestimating them anymore. And there was a sense of momentum going into those final three games in Moscow. Tell me about game seven. I mean, you already talked about having a concussion, um, but you you get the sense though, that, that you can win this. There's confidence in the dressing room at this point. Well, there was, I think we all when like Harry said, when we, we played in the first game and that was the first time that we had really done it. And it was bad refereeing that we lost the game. And then and game six was another solid game. And then uh, game eight came along and uh, and it was a real close game. And just, you know, near the end of the game, I, I think I scored the best goal of my whole life with just over two minutes left. I, went, I wasn't a guy that could go end to end like a Perot or a Cornway or somebody like that. Uh, um, but anyway, I did, and there was a one on four, and I went in, put it in the top corner, and and the interesting thing is, I said after the game, Delaner, I I probably will never score a bigger goal in my whole life. How prescient! <laughs> and then two days later, 
I score, unfortunately, a garbage goal that everybody's been watching over this years. I tell you, you know what, Foster Hewitt, Henderson makes a wild stab forward and falls. Now, yes. every hockey player loves to hear that, don't you? <laughs> but then he said scores, and that made up for it. He did, yeah. No, I mean, everyone remembers that five, that sort of idea that somehow you'd come back almost like a wrestler getting back up off the mat, right? That somehow you'd come back out of nowhere to to score that goal. That it was almost like, and, and I know this, let, the, the Game 7 goal is remarkable because it's such a beautiful goal. But the Game 8 goal, there's a really interesting story behind how you wound up on the ice too because you you weren't supposed to be there, were you? Well, Clark Ellis and I came off with about a minute left. And Sinden sent out uh, Esposito, Cornway, and Peter Mohavlich. And then he, he came down to us, even though it wasn't our turn. He said, if they come off, you're up. And so, okay, we're up. And so we're sitting there, and at the one-minute mark, I looked up. And, and the Russians had told us that, uh, 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 during the third period that the game ended up on a tie because there's going to be no overtime played it, because the whole series would have been a tie that they scored one more goal than us. And because of European hockey, they were going to claim victory. And so it was just spontaneous. I, I got to get on the ice. And I stood up and I did something I never did before. And I never did it again. Started to yell at Peter Mahavich to come off the ice. Frank was sitting beside me and he said, what the hell are you doing? His brother, right? Frank Mahavich, exactly. Yeah. Peter comes off and then I jump over the board. But could you imagine me? I call Peter Mahavich off the ice. And the Russians would have gone down and scored, and we'd have lost that series with me and the ice. See, I'd be living t- in Siberia today, not in if, Mississippi. If you were lucky, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. But but instead, so tell me how that happens because we've all watched it, and I'm sure people love, and I, I understand people love to tell you where they were when, when you scored that goal. But how did you see it? How did it unfold for you uh, in those last thirty seconds? Well, I, I jumped over the boards and Cornway had it at the far side. And I'm a right-hand shot coming off left wing. And I yelled at him and he saw me and he threw it across. And I was hoping just a one time but right into the top corner. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, Ovechkin's type of deal. Yeah. But he put it, it was too far in front of me. And I had to reach for it. And their defenseman come up, put the stick between my legs. And I was going so fast, I crashed into the boards and fell down like, Foster said, and I said, I, I still got time. I still got time. I can go do it again. And I got up, and and I asked walked in that Trechak, and Trechak said, it wasn't a hard shot. He should have never let the rebound out. Oh, my God. And I, I panicked. I just got it, and I tried to shoot it right along the ice initially, and he threw his pad out and got it. But he was down, took it off the side, and put it I had about a foot to put it in. And, you know, the interesting part, my dad had died in 1968, and I was very close to my mom, probably closer to my mom and my dad. And I had the thought of my dad the whole series. That puck went across the line, and I said, Dad would have loved this one. And I had a touch of a melancholy. Can you believe that? And, that? and then I jumped into Cornway's arm and jumped into his arms, and that's why he's had a couple of uh, back operations over the years. Since <laughs> so you thought both of us were yeah. saying, that we did it. We did it. We knew that we But you know, the interesting thing, we go back to the bench and Harry said to us, you guys finish it off. And I said, Harry, I'm done. I, I, I'd be petrified to play the last 34 seconds. You put somebody else out there. 
I, I, I was, I, I just knew it. I, I, I was petrified to play the last 34 seconds. Yeah. And, just in uh, case you were, don't, you don't want to tempt fate too much. Well, I, I was just done physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally. I was done. And, 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 you know, the interesting after the game, we go in there and there was no jumping around or anything like that. I think everybody, there was a smile. We're having a beer and just look at the guy across or at the room. And so, it was at least a half an hour before I even get took my skates off. We just sat there and enjoyed the moment and uh, great memory. Paul Henderson, it's been a real joy. Thank you so much for sharing your memories of that of that series of that wonderful day, uh, that wonderful goal. Much appreciated. Thank you.